What's the point of speaking in tongues? Why is it in scripture? And what's the whole idea behind it? We're going to see that today in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And I'll get started. It's Monday in, morning. and got a yeah. long chapter. Yeah, we got a long chapter. We, which we, might be a good thing. Yeah, we, we read through this. We said this last time we went through chapter 14 that we can't spend time commenting because because again, this is just reading through it, and it would take us a lot of time to go through and explain all of this. Um, but we'll we'll make a little bit of commentary, but we'll also get through this uh, right. in a timely manner. So I'll get started with verse one. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. Sorry. That was my fault. <laughs> that was uh, that was Junior's alarm that just went off there. He's not eating an apple. To silence now, but, it. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. Um, so, if you're mad at me, let love be your highest goal. Yeah, there we go. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And one who allows his alarm to go off in church just winds up discouraging everybody. <laughs> hey, Jack is still gone. So again, yeah. we've just all fallen apart here. <laughs> I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. And the comment I'd like you know make here, I think we did this when we went through chapter 14 before, but again, and, and different churches understand this differently. There are some that interpret this and, and they, they want so badly for these sign gifts to be current today that they will practice this and they even teach classes on how to speak in tongues and how to prophesy and these kinds of things. But um, from our perspective, they're really missing the point of what Paul was getting across here. And we have to understand that these, these Corinthians, they had no scripture. They had the old Testament. They did not have direct revelation from God. First Corinthians, we believe was actually possibly the very first New Testament book that was written down. Now, Matthew covers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John cover an earlier period, but this was written down very early on, and so yeah. it may have been the first of Christian literature. So they had nothing to go on. They needed prophets to speak God's word to them during a time when otherwise they wouldn't have been hearing from God. Yeah, and, and so, also, too, I think sometimes, just to make mention of this, because Christians can often do this, is we'll redefine what some of these mean. Yeah. Tongues means another known language. Prophecy means telling the future. Am I correct? On that? Yeah, it, it really well, it's it's being a mouthpiece of God, yeah. being able to say God's words exactly what God wants you to know. Which is interesting because anytime I take a spiritual gift test, you know, mm-hmm. spiritual gift tests out there, and I've taken a few, every time I get prophecy, I was looking at that, I'm like, I don't tell the future. Yeah, it's it's so we've kind of redefined it. in a lot of circles as being forth telling the truth instead of foretelling the future. Yeah. But when I read anytime prophecy is spoken of in the scriptures, it's always a miraculous gift. Right. It's something where you are hearing directly and then speaking verbatim directly from God. So it's not it's not just communicating truth. It's far more than yeah. that. Yeah. Now I do think in a, maybe in a sense, I guess we could say we're prophesying when we're reading scripture. Yeah. Because we are giving God's truth directly from God that had been penned down. And um, but the the main thing about each of these sign gifts that I like to accentuate, and that is the reason for these sign gifts, because they didn't have God's word at that time, God gave miraculous gifts to specially endowed individuals that he was 
putting a stamp of approval on them saying, hey, these are my spokespeople. I want you to listen to them. And you know that they really are my spokespeople because they're doing these miracles yeah. as well. And let me see, I know we're commenting too much because we've got to read through this. Oh, man. But let me going. just, let me also say this too, that there are these, I would call some of them, not all of them, some of them hucksters where they, you know, they come around and say, oh, I'm a prophet. And they, they go in a room and, you know, they say, I'm a Christian, my gift is prophecy. And they play like the psych game. You ever watch the show yeah. Psych? It's like my favorite show, Psych. <laughs> and the mentalists. Yeah. Yep. And they just kind of pick up little things and then, you know, they kind of wow you with just their hyper observe, observant, you know, uh-huh. gifting. That's not prophecy either. And, yeah, and we you should shared, be very careful around that. You shared an experience that. of somebody who totally misprophesied Yeah, I was in a you. church uh, this summer and... Um, I brought my daughters with me and her and the pastor got up and he's like, you know, doing prophecy. And he points at me. He's like, I can tell this man's going through a very hard time, you know, cause I guess it looked like I was homeless and brought my daughter, like I was kicked out of the house. Like, no, I'm doing just fine, man. <laughs> All right. So let's get back into what we're reading. Um, verse six, dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would it help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly. No one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know how they are being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into an empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I'll be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. For So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. And that word interpret, the Greek word behind this is literally translate. So it's not, it's not like some people have tried to claim that tongues is like artwork and they're interpreting it like you interpret art. No, the word is translated. There has to be somebody there. Then they actually verify that a miracle is happening here because they are translating the language. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. What then, what should we do? I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, but in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help those than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. Why don't you pick it up from here, Junior? Yeah. Uh, it is written in scripture, I will, this is verse 21, I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, that, and that's the answer to our opening question, because he's saying that the purpose for speaking in tongues is to show unbelievers that there's a miracle going on. That's the sign. Yeah. The trouble is the way people practice it today and I think they're good-hearted people. I, I don't. I don't want to misjudge their motives at all. But the way it's being done today, it's it's kind of a gibberish where they're being told to just have faith that God's turning this into a language. Yeah. Well, 
lost people, unchurched people, not non-Christians look at that and they, they just think it's weird. Well, and usually it's not, not to pile sign. on, but usually non-believers aren't in those circles because they're just this weird. It just looks like a Christian party full of gibberish. Whereas in scripture, it wasn't just Christians, especially at Pentecost, there were non-believers around who spoke those languages. And translated it, yes. Verse 23, even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they'll think you're crazy. But if all you are, if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come out in your meeting, they'll be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secrets, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. Well, then my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They should speak one at a time. And someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present to interpret, or I should say translate, they will they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. He's trying to bring some order to what evidently was chaotic meeting worship service at that time. He's trying to bring it back into being organized. He says, let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord and the one who is speaking, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after another so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. So he is giving precedence to one gift over another mm-hmm. in that sense in the public gathering. Yeah. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Women should be silent during church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. Or do you think God's word originated with you, Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I am saying is a command from the Lord himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourself should not be recognized. So dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forget forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. That's great. And uh, we're going to be over in the Psalms, and I know we're, we're taking a fair amount of time just because of the length of that chapter. So let's go right into Psalm 121. And so we finally got done with 119. <laughs> Psalm 119, the longest chapter, well, if you want to call it a chapter, in the Bible. It's not a chapter, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 121, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. So as beautiful and impressive as these mountains are, my help doesn't come from that. It doesn't come from nature, but it's the God, the creator of nature that I look to. And the one who is capable of building all of that is capable of taking care of me. Well, I love how the psalmist sees nature and doesn't worship nature like the Baal in scripture, but or the Baals, I should say but see scripture pointing to the creator yeah. and it allows him. It's like this morning, I, I found a bike trail. It's actually kind of a crappy bike trail because it's underneath some power lines in the area. <laughs> but what I love about it is on the way back, it face, 
it faces the east. Mm. And so I get to see this beautiful sunrise. Oh, and just this morning I was riding, just looking at the sunrise and it was, I turned some worship on. It was just this beautiful, like, man, this is like, this sunrise is just so gorgeous, but it's like, this is, it, it's just this little hint of what God can do. Yeah. And we can enjoy and appreciate nature, but it's nature that should point us to God. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, have a good day today, and we look forward to hanging out with you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.